Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice. Fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 10th. This is our uh, 2021 Fantasy Football Running Back Preview Show. My name is Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy football player, writer, uh, analyst, analyst extraordinaire, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Wonderful, sir. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, looking forward to talking about the running backs. I know you and I have some differences of opinion near the top ten, so it should be a great show for our listeners to get some different uh, points of view on some of the best runners out there. Yep, we're going to go over the top 10 in PPR format uh, for running backs, uh, and then we're also going to hit a couple of key uh, sleepers, uh, creepers, overrated, underrated, those type of guys. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about here. Well, unlike last week, which we had some major, major injury news happen, uh, this week we had some kind of off-the-cuff, uh, more uh, subtle things happen that we wanted to talk about. Um, and the first thing uh, on, the, on the news standpoint here is uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, quarterback Joe Burrow, of course, is coming back off of a torn ACL injury. Well, he's kind of struggled early in camp. Uh, he was missing open receivers, uh, you know, uh, overthrowing them, uh, uh, not making very good reads and all. Uh, and, you know, he came out today and said, hey, I, I, I do this, uh, you know, I've done this and all. But the fact is that he feels it's a mental issue. Uh, he just needs to get, uh, you know, back into the flow of things. It's very early in camp here. We're still, in the, you know, around, just outside the first week of, uh, of August. We got a month to go until the games are real. We only had one preseason game. That was the Hall of Fame game last week, and talk about a bunch of backups in that. So the first full week of preseason is going to happen this coming week. Joe Burrow's not going to play in it. However, he feels that, you know, uh, as things progress, he's not going to push the panic button on anything. Uh, and, and also, by the way, rookie Jamar Chase has been dropping some footballs in, in camp too. So, you know, there's lots of eyeballs on, on these guys. Uh, you know, he's taken uh, very high in the draft the first round, and they, they need to perform. Now, from a fantasy football owner standpoint, Chris, if you're he- hearing these kind of questions about what's going on in the Bengals camp, is this really too early for to, to show any kind of panic uh, in, in terms of lowering Burrow off your or draft board or, or moving them down a little bit? Or you want to just play it out here, see, see what happens over the next two or three weeks? What's your take? Yeah, I think it's definitely too early, especially in the case of Burrow. I mean, uh, as you pointed out, he's he said it was a mental thing. He's not like he's struggling reading defenses or, or, or forgetting plays. What he said was basically he's got to get used to people moving around his legs and knowing that his legs are going to move with him. The, the typical things you always see when someone has a big injury like an ACL, running backs go through this, they got to start running instinctively instead of thinking. That's just where Burrow is right now. And like you said, it's his first week actually playing, uh, you know, since, since he got hurt. So 
I'm not really too worried about him at all, quite frankly. Slightly more worried about Chase, but I don't think it changes the fantasy prospect. I think most people tend not to overrate fantasy pass catchers anyway. So, I mean, yeah, he's a rookie. He's going to struggle with, with, you know, some nerves or maybe some, some running, some wrong routes till he gets used to it. Not worried about it. It's very early. And uh, even if it, it does become a little bit problematic, he, he's a rookie. I think he's going to play like a rookie, going to have some great moments, and he's going to have some not-so-great moments. Yep, I, I agree with you completely there. Now, over on your uh, side, uh, side of the country, uh, in Indianapolis there, they've got a big issue. Carson Wentz, of course, is out for anywhere from 5 to 12 weeks or actually 4 to, four to 11 weeks now. But the, the season's going to start in, in 4 or 5 weeks here, uh, of course, with his injury. But uh, you've got backup Jason e- Jacob Eason, who technically is, you know, he's got the build and the, the ability to supposedly be a quarterback and all, but he's kind of been struggling a little bit in camp. And now they've got rookie Sam Ellinger, uh, who they uh, just today in camp gave him first uh, first first reps with the first team. Uh, Easton's going to start the, the preseason game this week against Carolina. Uh, and you're probably going to get in that game and see some action. What's your take there from Indianapolis? Uh, what, what have you been hearing in terms of uh, what's going on here with the quarterback position for the Colts? Well, I, I heard that Ethan obviously had a really rough first day, and he's been getting better every day. They've actually been pretty high on what he's done most days after that first day or two. So I'm not worried about him yet. Um, it's early. Ellinger has shown all the intangibles. He's really seemed to command the huddle well and to have a feel for the offense and the play. He just doesn't have the physical tools of Ethan. And, and Ethan's starting to get those intangibles as we go forward. Absolutely not worried about it yet. I'm not, I wouldn't read anything into him seeing the first team reps. I think they kind of learned – the hard way, last year, Jacob Easton never saw any snaps at practice because he was the number three, and now they're going into the season with him as a potential starter for the first couple of weeks. And, he, and he, you know, these are his first snaps over the last week and a half of practice. I think they're just getting Ellinger ready because they know he's only uh, one bad tackle or twisted ankle away from having to play. But I think that's really the issue right now. Not worried about it yet. I think Easton's still going to be the guy come week one if it's not Carson Wentz, barring a total implosion in the first few preseason games. Okay, well, uh, obviously this is one situation we're going to keep our our eyes close on. Uh, Moving on over to the wide receiver position, uh, uh, down in New Orleans, uh, they've got a lack of uh, healthy wide receivers right now. Michael Thomas, of course, has the ankle, uh, coming off the ankle surgery. He's going to miss part of the uh, start of the season. And Traquan Smith has been a lot of hype around him, and yet he's been missing uh, action uh, down there in camp with a leg injury. So that has left Marquez Callaway, uh, and, and we was like, well, almost said Marcus Colston because I'm so used to saying that. But uh, <laughs> apparently Callaway is making plays in, in, in camp, and it doesn't really matter if it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill throwing to him. Apparently he's catching everything in sight, looking very good, shining. Uh, a lot of the media saying, hey, he's the star of the offense in the camp right now. Uh, what's your take on Marcus Callaway, Chris? Uh, just late-round sleeper, or is this somebody that keeps uh, that deserves the really to be targeted in your in your draft? I think definitely late-round sleeper category. Nobody's that convinced that the passing offense is going to be, you know, Drew Brees-like with, with either Winston or especially with Taysom Hill there. And he's definitely going to get some chance to make plays and to get snaps, especially until, until Mark, Michael Thomas gets back on the field. Um, Worst-case scenario, he's probably going to start across from Traquan Smith for the first, you know, first half of the season. And they run a lot of three-receiver sets anyway, so I think he's going to be out there. The question is, what does that mean for fantasy? <clears throat> Oh, pardon me, I had to sneeze there. Uh, I think he's going to be – he's going to have the occasional thing. Maybe in a best ball, he's a great guy to have late on your 
uh, late in your draft. He's one of those guys you don't have to guess which week he's going to have his big week, like most young guys do. But I, I wouldn't make him anything more than a sleeper at this point. But I, Dynasty, I think he's got definitely wide receiver number one potential in a year or two based on his physical skills. So I think Dynasty, he's probably worth more. Best ball, he's worth more. Redraft, probably just a late-round flyer. Okay, very interesting. Uh, well, uh, of course, you guys know that I live here in Las Vegas, just outside Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. And uh, the talk a little bit here over the last couple of days is what's going on with Darren Waller and Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, elite tight end. He's been absent without any kind of uh, information uh, for the past eight camp practices, uh, actually eight days. We haven't seen him. Uh, so he's been absent. He's not listed on the COVID reserve list. He's not on the pop or anything like that. So uh, people are speculating here. The only thing we can do is speculate. Uh, it might be a personal issue at home. He might he might have asked for some time to, to take care of some kind of issue at home. Uh, we're keeping our eyes on this. But the question here is that if you're drafting on a, in a draft right now, like say a slow draft uh, that you're taking hours and such, uh, do you do you avoid Darren Waller right now because we don't know what's going on with him here, or is it, it once again uh, it's only August 10th? Uh, we got a whole month to the start of the season. Uh, it, maybe you're thinking he's going to slide to you and you get him in the third or fourth round instead of the second. What's your take on the whole situation, Chris? Well, if that if that happens, I'd be much more inclined to draft him. I'm. Much as I think Waller's worth a second-round pick, I'm reluctant to spend a pick that high uh, on, on the tight end on Darren Waller. Um, I I just think that he's going to probably slide because of this, and that's okay. I don't think that's a problem. My guess is is that Gruden's just playing it a little coy and playing it careful with the guy that's going to be the biggest component of his offense this year. Um, it, he was actually spotted lifting weights during practice last week and jogging on the field on Sunday. They said he wasn't limping or anything like that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with him. Uh, I think that you know, he might have a little something here, a little ding, and they're just playing it ultra cautious with him. Um, he's been there at least for the last few days. So I don't think it's a personal thing. I don't think it's a, it's an issue or contract thing, anything like that. Um, I think they're just being cautious with him, and I'm really not worried about him. If you want to draft him in the second round, I don't see there's any anything from what I've seen yet that would keep me from saying he's got to move down on your draft list. I'm just hoping he does oh. when he gets into the range where I feel comfortable with him. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. Okay, let's move uh, real quickly through the injuries here. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, with a shoulder injury. Of course, he returned to practice. He's been throwing lightly. He, he threw about 20 passes in front of the media. Looked pretty good today, so uh, keeping an eye on him. Of course, he's not going to play anytime soon in the preseason here. Matthew Stafford with that thumb injury, banging it on the helmet last week. Well, he was right back out of practice. They so had it wrapped in the next day. He returned to practice, but he's not going to play in the preseason because Sean McVay doesn't want his quarterback to get hurt, and that's a smart thing to do. A lot of talk about Saquon Barkley because he's starting to slide in a lot of these drafts into the second round and such with that uh, come off that 20 ECL. Well, the, the, the Johns were like, uh, no timetable. We don't know when he's going to come back. And then they were, they were talking about maybe week three. Well, he hit the practice field yesterday, was activated, looked pretty good. He's optimistic, still not a, a firm timetable on his return, but it looking more and more like he could be able to play week one. Obviously, we're going to update the situation as we go, as things develop and all. Over in Green Bay, Aaron Jones has a, a, a slight hand string issue. He's been seen working on the side, not practicing with the team over the last couple of days. Keep an eye on him there. DeAndre Swift uh, in, in Detroit, he's got a groin issue. He's limited in practice most every day, uh, so they're not taking any uh, – uh, they're, they're being – cautious with him, not taking any chances of getting him, uh, you know, possibly hurt in a, in a, in a team drill type situation. Tyreek Hill with a knee is good, uh, knee tendonitis. Good news there. He returned to practice last Thursday. He's a smooth sailing in there. 
Justin Jefferson had a scare. He landed on his shoulder, a little slight uh, uh, separation there or whatnot. But he, he, they, they think that he should return to practice in the near future, according to, uh, to Zimmer, the head coach, uh, and uh, he should be good to go for week one. Julio Jones, oh, the leg issue, the Titans are being very cautious with him there. Most days he's not practicing, working on the side a little bit, but they think he'll be okay. Kenny Dolliday, a uh, slight hamstring pull. They saw out two to three weeks. There's really no reason to get him into these early preseason games, but it looks like he'll be back in time for week one. DJ Chark down uh, in Jacksonville with a finger. He underwent surgery on his hair line fracture, but uh, he expects to play, and the team expects him to play week one. We'll see there. Devonta Smith uh, hit him last week with a knee. Uh, he was week-to-week, uh, likely out one to, uh, two to three weeks last week, because now it's down to one to two more weeks, and we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, the wide receivers in, in Baltimore are banged up. Uh, Marquise Brown with a hamstring doing work on the side. The team's not rushing him. And the rookie, Rashard Bateman, uh, he's got a groin and abdomen issues. He left practice early today. They're doing more tests on him. They don't think it's too serious, but, you know, we'll update him, uh, his, his status on NFL Quick Bits on our site uh, when we when we get more information. Hunter Henry tied uh, him with a shoulder injury for the Patriots. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks, but, you know, we're in the start of the preseason here, so as long as he's good to go in a month, they'll be good to go. The biggest injury, I guess, was to Will Lutz, the kicker for the Saints. The, I tell you, they're having all kinds of problems with all their big stars down there, you know, either retiring or they're getting injured. Uh, well, a surgery is set for the core muscle for Lutz, so he's expected to miss some early part of the season. So we're going to be down, downgrading him in the rankings this week. Uh, probably don't want to take him in, in uh, uh, you know, as your as your first kicker. Probably down, uh, you know, uh, probably slide him down around number ten or twelve or something like that. But anyway, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim. Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. We continue to urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Uh, we've got a, a link there right to our NFL Quick Bits page where we've been posting information, news, uh, injury updates, and such on the NFL as it breaks every day since 1996. So we've been doing this for 26 years. Uh, the, uh, it's ffmastermind.com slash quickbits.php. Of course, we've got lots of free stuff on there, too, a free agent tracker, player movement tracker, uh, uh, of course, our free INS guy scouting reports, including reports on the calls from Chris Rito, uh, each uh, report, uh, scout, offers two reports in August, early August, and then one in late August, and then we go weekly once the season starts completely free. For our premium subscribers, we're updating our master's list, customizable cheat sheet, our mastermind championship projections board, and our executive draft master drafting software. We're on, like on version 7 of these products. For the guide, it's the preseason draft guide to version 3, 19 articles, 402 pages. Uh, we've got an article going to release, I think, later today uh, about uh, uh, best ball formats from Chris Rito uh, himself. 
uh, I've been sitting on that article for a couple of days because we, we had other things uh, that we released on the site, including the start of our uh, our journey. Chris and I are drafting together as a Team FF Mastermind in the FanX uh, draft. This uh, this is one of the oldest and most prestigious experts leagues in in uh, in around the world, I guess you could say that. And uh, anyway, you can come right to our site. You see the link, the little the graphic. Uh, click on that. It'll show the preview or pick analysis, and, and you'll be able to get hit the link to go right to the site and see our picks in, in, uh, live in real time. And we had the number two pick. This is a 12-team PPR league, and we took Dalvin Cook after CMC went number one. And you can see the rest of the picks there. And we'll be posting our uh, draft pick analysis as, as we make our picks. I think we're in uh, round three now, so we'll see where we go from there. Anyway, uh, the preseason draft guys 1995 right now. Uh, that includes all of our draft pick analysis for that draft, as well as I'm drafting in FF Webmasters, uh, defending my championship there at the 14-team non-PPR league. And I've got the number one pick, and I took CMC in that uh, draft. It came back around to me, and I uh, followed up with Dondre Swift as my number two running back, and uh, A.J. Brown as my number one uh, uh, wide receiver. So it's non-PPR. Anyway, lots of good stuff there. Uh, of course, our premium summer rates uh, Pro Bowl package, which is the guide and the uh, newsletters during the, during the year, forty nine ninety five. Our Super Bowl package includes that and our executive draft master drafting software, fifty nine ninety five. And please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. Uh, and then, so let's go right into the running backs, the top ten running backs in PPR formats. Chris, hit me with your top three and explain why they are your top three. Okay, if you need me to tell you why the unquestioned overall number one pick in any redraft of Dynasty League, PPR or non-PPR, is Christian McCaffrey, you shouldn't be playing fantasy football unless you are investing in the Mastermind Premium Full Package to help you out. So, I mean, his three-game pace last year until he got hurt was like 133 yards per game, two touchdowns a week, six catches a game. That would have put him 100 points ahead of every other fantasy running back if not for the injury that killed his season. This is a no-brainer. He's the guy to take number one or trade back if you really don't want to and get a king's ransom. Number two, uh, his one starts to get interesting because there's a lot of guys I have very close here. Number two, I have Alvin Kamara just by a skosh ahead of Dalvin Cook in PPR and just behind him in a non-PPR. Um, a healthy Kamara last year proved to me that 2019 when he played hurt was a fluke and he still had a top five season. He's a lock for 80 catches, four straight years with more than 80 catches. And if anything, the loss of Breeze and Michael Thomas might make his already high-touch share rise. Um, I couldn't argue against Dalvin Cook here, but I prefer Kamara since receptions pay off, and he's just like a good of a touchdown machine as Cook, averaging 15 a year, even with his low 2019. Number three, I've got Dalvin Cook. Like I said, these, guys, these are almost 2A and 2B to me. There's no denying his per-game productivity. You know, last year he stayed mostly healthy for the first time and finished as RB number two scoring a touchdown nearly every game. Um, his use in the passing game is supposed to increase this year, which makes him a huge upside pick at 102 or 103, but also increases the injury risk for a guy with a little bit of a history, and that's why I put him just behind Kamara. The upside for a number one overall finish is definitely there, though. You better get Alexander Madison late, though. That's right. Okay, my top five. Uh, number one, CMC, obviously, because I took him there. Well, no, why? I mean, he averaged uh, more than 30 PPR points in each of the three games alone that he played last year, that's almost 100 points in three games. 
hopefully he's going to play a full 17 games this year. I'm banking on that, and a lot of other people are banking, and he's going number one across the board almost in all the fantasy drafts. I've got Dalvin Cook ahead of Kamara uh, only for the simple fact that uh, there's so much change going on in New Orleans. Uh, the new quarterback, Breeze, retired. It's going to be Winston. It's going to be Hill. If it's Hill, I think Kamara's going to see a little bit less touches in those games. Uh, is the offense going to struggle a little bit? I, uh, you know, no, no, no Mike Thomas for possibly up to a half a season. Dracon Smith is very inconsistent. Marcus Callaway is flashing right now. but And then there's no Jared Cook there. Adam Troutman, I don't know. Uh, lots of issues there. I think Cook is a little bit of a safer pick, even though he's a little bit maybe more of an injury risk here. Uh, we'll see here. For, for both these guys, you're looking at, uh, for Cook, I've got almost uh, combined 2,000 yards, 16 scores uh, with Calvin Kamara. Uh, you know, uh, a little bit less yards, maybe 17, 1,800 yards, but probably about 30 more catches. So that puts him right in there with Cook and about 14 scores. Number four on my list, Derek Henry. Uh, the question is, when is he going to go over that cliff? He's had so many touches over the last three seasons, but I don't see that happening this year. I think he's going to run for over 1,800 yards. He doesn't catch many passes, 22, I think, uh, I projected him uh, in a score. Uh, but the bottom line is that the entire offense in Tennessee runs through him. Uh, when they get a lead, they just use him uh, on the ground the entire game. And even if he has like 30, 40 yards at halftime, a lot of times you know he just gets going. By uh, by middle of fourth quarter, he's already got 130 yards and a score or two. So you know he's pretty much a lock there. And number five, I got Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know he he struggled last year, but that was basically two reasons. Number one, the offensive line had so many injuries on it. But even with that issue, he was still producing much better when Dak Prescott was behind center. When he went down, then he became more of a seven, eight, nine, ten point game uh, point uh, player for PPR rather than a fifteen plus point. And I think he's gonna you know he, he can he could average twenty plus here this year. Uh, improved offensive line. In terms of the health and such, and Dak Prescott looks good to go. So uh, Zeke is a solid five for me. Who are your number four, number five uh, running backs, Chris? Yeah, I've got the same two at four and five, just in the other order. I've got Zeke just ahead of uh, King Henry. Actually, I think he's one of the safer picks at the top of the board. And honestly, the only one I think could have running back number one overall upside, um, which you know, upside in, in the first round is, is rare. With all, like you mentioned, his O line was beat up or out last year, and he got stuffed in short yardage a lot. But he still led the NFL in touches inside the five-yard line. So a, a regression back to his normal touchdown totals, I think, are likely with a healthier line. And despite losing touches to Tony Pollard and having no passing game after Prescott went out, he still got the fifth most carries in the league last year. So I think the offense is ready to strike back this year. Um, the retooled defensive scheme should keep him in games. And he is still the centerpiece of one of the league's, one of the league's best offenses. Uh, and then I've got Derrick Henry, number five. I, you know, I know he's a beast. You know, he finished in the top three in PPR scoring two straight years despite catching only 37 passes in two years. Little reason to believe they're not going to ride him hot in the heavy again. Um, He's very safe in the middle part of round one, in my opinion. But I think he's got a cap ceiling because of his total lack of involvement in the passing game and a certainty of regression in 2021 after the 2K season. Um, It's hard to overlook the addition of Julio Jones in the passing game, the loss of offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, who is one who used him a lot, and several run blockers. And just the reality, as you mentioned earlier, of nearly 800 rushes uh, in the last two seasons, the second most in the NFL, is I believe Dalvin Cook at under 600. So I prefer pass catchers with some upside as tiebreakers in the first round, which is why I moved Zeke just a hair ahead of him. 
Okay. My next three on this list, number six, Austin Eckler. Uh, I tell you, people are like, well, he missed a lot of games last year, and he was kind of inconsistent. But if you take a look at his numbers there, he was still, uh, when he came back, he was still producing in the PPR system, catching, uh, had some games, seven, eight, nine, ten catches, uh, 17, 18, 20, 25 points. I, I project him at almost 1,600 total yards and 80-plus catches. That's what's going to put him up there. And it, I think he's going to score eight touchdowns. they got four rushing and four receiving, and that numbers just put him in number six. Number seven, Aaron Jones uh, moves up a little bit uh, since uh, Aaron Rodgers is there, and there's no Jamal Williams. Of course, there's still A.J. Dillon, but I think uh, Jones is going to be good for around 1,200 yards, uh, 10 scores, and he's going to catch quite a bit of passes, too, uh, because that was what uh, I think Jamal Williams did a little bit better than A.J. Dillon there, so I have uh, Aaron Jones catching about 50 passes there, and another couple scores, a solid number. Uh, He's a solid RB1 this year, and you can get him in the mid to late first round. Number eight, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Cleveland. Um, all this guy does is make big plays and runs consistently. He doesn't catch many passes because you got Kareem Hunt there. But still, you're looking at a guy, uh, if he played the entire year last year, been 14, 1,500 yard rushing yards, 14 scores. As I project him 14, you know, uh, and then another couple hundred yards catching uh, with, uh, with the score. Guy dominates. And, and if there's one guy on this list here that can break off a 70, 80 yard run, I know that, of course, Derrick Henry can, and Cook can do that too. But Chubb seems, seems to do it when you least expect it, and you get those boost of points there. Solid RB1. Okay, what about the rest of your top 10, Chris? Uh, I got Aaron Jones at number six. You mentioned a lot of the reasons why. You know, he's been two straight years in the top seven, nearly identical stats each year which with just a dip in touchdowns last year. I think that loss of Jamal Williams is big. I think that's good. He lost a lot of touches on early downs even, as well as catches to J-Dubs. So I think his workload uh, is going to hold like it has before. He's a safe and explosive weekly pick, as you said, later in round one. I got Nick Chubb seven, just like you. You know, what a difference a year makes. In 2020, the Browns showed that they will use Chubb as a workhorse even if Kareem Hunt is on the field a lot. He outpaced him severely, even in PPR leagues, despite giving up almost all the work in the passing game to Hunt uh, the latter part of the season. The Browns showed their hand, I think. They amped up an already solid D and gave Chubb this big extension. They're going to run the ball and beat you up up front. Uh, And, you know, Chubb's a closer. Like you said, he had a lot of those big runs late in the fourth quarter, piling up stats, a high weekly floor for me. I've got Joe Mixon, number eight, uh, Back-to-back season as a top-eight rusher for two years, despite playing for one of the league's worst offenses and worst teams, he's a true every-down back that will only come off the field for breathers, not for situational relief. Losing Gio Bernard should uptick his passing game usage this year. And look at what he did last year before his own injury. He was piling up touches with Joe Burrow under center. He was out-touched and out-rushed only by Derrick Henry through, through 10 weeks. The offense looks to be on the rise, and I think he's going to be a huge part of that. Uh, number nine, I've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I just can't rate this guy any lower. He's still a little bit unproven, but he was putting up huge numbers as a rookie last year before he got dinged, and then he slowed down. And even a chunk of the pie that is Kansas City's offense is great. It's a huge pie. He's going to get a bunch. Now, he's not likely to be the total workhorse back due to his size, but there's no one on the roster to, to challenge him for touches. He was a very solid running back one when he got the touches uh, in any game. He may, he'll probably go in your draft before some of the guys I've listed ahead of him. Um, but if he's there at this spot, you know, late in the first round, I'm going to take him in the latter stages of round one. We were lucky. We got him at the end of round two in Fanex. So yep. my number my number 10, uh, Austin Eckler, you mentioned him earlier. He was a running back one and among the league's leading rushers when he got hurt. He came back too soon in week 12 and gutted it out, and he was still an RB2 the rest of the way. Uh, a fantasy starter, despite not finding the end zone but three times last year. Yeah, he's never going to get the rushing attempts or touchdowns of a Camara or a McCaffrey, 
but he still paced at more than 200 carries last year in his first season in the lead role. His ludicrous usage in the passing game actually has him having a decent chance to get 100 catches or 1,000 yards in a healthy season, and that alone puts him solidly as a low-end RB1 in PPRs. Yep, that's why I like him. I, I drafted him at the the one, uh, I think the one nine hole uh, in the pros versus Joe's uh, FFPC. Uh, so very happy about that. My number nine guy, Saquon Barkley. I haven't really talked about him much. Uh, you know, I, I had him a little bit higher because it looked like he would play week one. He still may play week one, but you know, they're, they're saying maybe hopefully they'll come back week three. So I lowered him a little bit here. But uh, when he hits the field, if he's healthy, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get a workhorse back here. He, he should still have close to 250 carries, over 1,100 yards, uh, eight scores on the ground, and he's also going to catch a lot of passes there because uh, Daniel Jones needs to dump the ball off sometimes. Uh, you know, he's going to get Kenny Galladay and all, but I remember when, uh, when when Barkley first hit in the league, I mean, he was catching mad amount of passes and all. Uh, I don't think he's going to catch that many and all again, but still, he's going to catch enough here. The question is, is he going to play in week one or two? You might uh, benefit from getting him in round two of your draft, uh, but uh, what you lose in week one or two uh, when he's healthy, week three onward, uh, you're going to make up that difference. And number Ten in my books, Joe Mixon, uh, for many of the reasons that you said, uh, if he can stay healthy the whole year, I think he's going to push uh, 300 carries there, about 1,200 yards, eight scores. Uh, and the thing is, is that without Gio Bonnie Bernard, I know Sam J. Perrine is still there, but I think that Mixon's going to catch close to 50, 50 passes there, another couple scores there, and he comes uh, just in number ten, a little bit ahead of, of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Antonio Gibson in my book. Uh, if you want to know exactly what I think of Antonio, maybe check out our preseason and draft guys for that. All right, let's hit a couple of guys that, uh, that uh, Chris, that you think are sleepers uh, or, or good values and a couple of guys that, uh, that you're not too crazy about and why at running back. Well, a couple of guys I think are good values. Uh, I'm going to start with Josh Jacobs. Um, he was a running back number one and among the league leading rushers both years of his career, despite really no help on the offensive line. They made a few changes here. I don't know if they're better or not, but they made changes. Uh, quietly, he's been a total workhorse. Um, third in the NFL in carries last year, had total stats just like Jonathan Taylor with no losses or questions here like Taylor has, but Taylor's going in the first round and Jacobs is going in the third or fourth. I, I don't get it. I think the signing of Kenyon Drake probably caps his passing game usage some, but they likely won't cut his fantasy productivity to me. Out of all the guys in his draft here, he's about running back 19th overall, fourth round ADP. He seems to be the one with the clearest path towards an uptick in stats and a likely running back one sort of output. So great guy. If you can get him as your number three, like as, as most rats, awesome. Might even be able to get him as a number two and load up other positions. I like, I like Josh Jacobs as a real value. And then deeper down your draft list, I like Damian Harris. Um, there's some very real reasons why Harris has low expectations and a low ADP, like 32nd running back overall, ninth or 10th round. Obviously, you've got the precarious committee nature of any Belichick backfield and the presence of a goal line vulture named Cam Newton, first and foremost, on your mind. But, but Harris looked to be the primary back when he was healthy last season, and there are reasons for optimism. They lost TD vulture Rex Burkhead. Sony Michelle may even be on his way out to free up some more of the touches. And I think the New England offense is sure to improve and be more conservative with the rebounding defense as well. Harris, to me, is a guy you can get as your RB4, and he has a high-end RB2 ceiling and flex play matchup-dependent floor. That sounds pretty good to me for a guy in the 10th round. Okay. A couple of guys I like at running back, uh, call them uh, underrated or sleepers or whatnot. Uh, you, you know the first guy, uh, Zach Moss. 
I drafted him as a, as a number three RB three last year, and he helped me win uh, my uh, first uh, championship in FF Webmasters. It's non PPR uh, since 2003. A very very tough league to win in. His current ADP is eight nine, and that's around eight or nine. And, and to, if you wait that long to get your third running back and get a Mo- Zach Moss, and you should be very happy. He's he's really pushing Singletary, looking much better than him in, in camp. Uh, it looks like they might actually uh, you know uh, usurp he might usurp Singletary with that first. Uh, uh, back roll. Uh, they're still going to play both of them and all, but when they get around the goal line, if it's not Josh Allen, it's going to be Zach Moss, not Devin Singletary. So I like uh, Moss for that reason there. And then, of course, there's a lot of buzz around in New York Jets camp. Uh, you know, the coach came over from San Francisco and he brought and it'll bring you over Tevin Coleman and all, and he's listed as the number one on the depth chart right now. But the rookie Michael Carter is making all kinds of plays in camp, and his ADP is also around eight or nine. Uh, so you take a chance on him a little bit as uh, RB three, or maybe even if you go RB. Uh, heavy and you get him as a four uh and then you're probably ahead of the game there uh, i think he's got a lot of potential there to do well and where you're where you can get him in your draft uh is uh, very reasonable so what about a couple of guys that you think are overrated to running back chris uh, i got two guys who have first round adps that i am not touching up there and one you mentioned earlier saquon barkley um like you said, if you can get him in, the, in your second back, that's fine. But he's got a first-round ADP right now. I hear a lot of talk about Adrian Peterson's freakish 2,000-yard season coming back off an ACL. But predicting the extreme and not the norm is very dangerous, especially for a guy that has been constantly hurt all throughout college and pros, and more importantly, whose knee injury was far more severe than AD's was. Um, he's not. He's just off the pup now. He's probably going to miss some time to start the season. These uncertainties are enough to knock him well out of the first round for me and make him an RB2 with high potential but there's no way I'm drafting him in the mid-first or late-first where he's going, no matter how much they use him per game. And then Jonathan Taylor here in Indy. Um, the rookie finished as the number seven running back last year, and everyone went gaga over the total numbers, but they were grossly inflated by a final month against some absolutely terrible run defenses. Uh, he did not crack the season's top 24 running backs in per-game PPR stats until after week 14, and he had half of his rushing yards in the last four weeks. When you factor in an immensely tougher schedule – potentially playing without his quarterback and three all-pro offensive linemen out of the gate. This is a recipe for regression with stack boxes, backup blockers, rookie quarterback, great dynasty pick, fine RB2, but not at his current first-round ADP. Yep, I agree with both those choices. Uh, the only way I would consider Barkley is maybe at the end of the second round or, or start of the third as an RB2, and I would think about it. Okay, a couple of guys I think are overrated, uh, and these are well-known names. And these guys, I mean, I would go for somebody like a Moss or a Michael Carter rather than these guys just simply because of the situation and their age and such. David Johnson in Houston, yes, yeah, somebody's going to have to run run there, but uh, Johnson's been injury-prone in his later years. He's 29 years old, right about to hit the cliff, and his ADP is 7, 8, round 7, 8, and that's just too high for my for my blood for, for that type of uh, player right now. I would avoid him. And the other guys, Ronald Jones down in Tampa, you know, uh, he got a Got, was injured, so he didn't have, didn't have a didn't play a big factor in the Super Bowl or the or most of the run. We don't know who's going to be the starter in Tampa. We know Leonard Fournette's going to see a lot of action there, and then they end up signing Giovanni Bernard too, so he's going to catch a lot of passes. Ronald Jones' ADP still is in the six seven round area for PPR leagues, and I'm like, no, no way. Uh, I avoid him. Uh, go in another direction. 
Anyway, we do want to uh, thank everyone for listening here. Uh, we want to remind everyone that we do have a uh, forums uh, message forum uh, on our site, and uh, there are more than 4,000 uh, subscribers that are uh, members of the forum. So as a, if you purchase a premium subscription to our services, you get a chance to be on the forum and ask questions and stuff. That will help you out for the season. And uh, anyway, once again, I want to thank everyone for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Masarek. See you all next week when the wide receiver position from a fantasy perspective is previewed for 2021. Good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Masarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.